Hello and welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles, or Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. You're listening to the abridged version of this episode. If you'd like to hear the extended, uncut edition, you can, for as little as $1 a month, by pledging to support the podcast and the Cosmic Shambles Network. You'll get access to extended episodes of Book Shambles each week, as well as all sorts of other goodies like free tickets to our events, and so on, and so on, and etc. Go to patreon.com slash bookshambles. It's a forward slash, but you know that again. Hello and welcome to a special Monday edition of Book Shambles. This is your producer, Trent. Uh, Actually, no, not your producer, unless I am. But odds are, if you're listening to this, I'm probably not. But um, I could be, I suppose. If you want to do something for the Cosmic Shambles Network, we could produce it. Um, Get in touch. Anyway, this is part two or part three, depending on how you want to look at it, of the Lem Cisse episode of Book Shambles after having to have a shortened episode of Shambles with Robin and Josie. Lem came back the following week when Josie was away. Uh, So Natalie Haynes stepping into the role of Josie. A reminder that Lem and Josie will be joining Robin and Helen Chersky and Steve Backshaw and British Sea Power and lots of other people that we are yet to announce at our spectacular new show, Sea Shambles, one night only at the Royal Albert Hall, May 17, 2020. It's going to be one of our patented big variety shows of science and music and comedy and so very many lasers and puppets and stuff. Uh, celebrating the ocean, talking about the ocean, uh, sea life and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and as always with these big shows we do, uh, part proceeds will be going to charity. We'll be donating uh, money to some marine conservation charities and some climate charities uh, from this show. Get your tickets now, cosmicshambles.com slash shambles. It's going to be a hell of a night. As will Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People coming up in November and December in both Salford and London. Natalie is going to be a guest on one of the nights. Uh, the 13th of December, I believe, Natalie is coming to speak at one of those events. Uh, Cosmicchannels.com slash Nine Lessons is where you can get all the information for that. Thank you, as always, goes to our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Bookshambles is where you can go to pledge to the podcast, get extended episodes and that sort of thing. And it helps us pay for studios and everything that goes with producing Book Shambles and everything at the Cosmic Shambles Network. Robin is on tour uh, next. Robin is on tour next week with the Chaos of Delight tour starting in Penzance and then moving to Exeter and Glasgow and Edinburgh and Cambridge and Newcastle and beyond. Robinince.com has all of the live dates for that tour. So pop along and see Robin out and about in the UK. Now on to this week's episode. The first episode this week, we've got a Halloween special out on the 31st on Thursday as usual. As in there's usually a new Book Shambles on Thursday, not the Halloween is usually on a Thursday because it's not. But it is this year, so it works out excellently. Here is Robin and Natalie and Lem. Hello, welcome back to part two 
this is uh, for regular listeners. You will know that uh, we did a podcast with uh, it was Josie Long and myself. Uh, with at that point a very hopeful young author who had a new book out and who knew how it was going to do. And since then, it's been number one in the Sunday Times bestsellers chart. Uh, let me see. So who? Uh, but because of a, a cock up by all of us on on timing, it meant that we only did about a fifteen minute interview. We did. So things have changed. Uh, there's been a reincarnation, regeneration. Yeah, Josie's changed. Josie Long has now been regenerated into uh, Natalie Haynes. Hello. We're going to continue to talk about... We don't just have to talk about your book, but your yes. book has... I mean, it's since you were like... Because I think when you were last here, it must have been just before it came out. Yeah, it was. Or the week it came out. Absolutely. So yeah. the reaction for you to know that this story, which is it's not just any old story, it's a story which reaches out to... As, as I, I think I said to you last time we were recording, I was doing a festival and uh, someone just came up to me and oh, God, you're doing something with Lem. Tell him I love him. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and it's someone again who's who's had... No, fortunately, I, I think not necessarily similar experiences to you, but someone who had, had been through the, the care system and, and then they themselves were, were adopted. But you must now, the reaction to this book now, people, I, I would imagine your timeline is, is, is filled with people who are reaching out because you've kind of reached out to them. Yes, that's right. I'm getting uh, emails and... Uh, Twitter's stuff and Instagram, lots of uh, lots of uh, lots of love. To be honest, lots of love and people opening to me as I've opened in the book, and um, I got a little glimpse of Matt Haig's life. I think, right? Matt, yeah. you know, Matt Haig do, puts a yeah. lot out. Yeah, he does. Mm. But I worry a bit. I mean, I worry a bit for him, and I worry a bit for you because you, with the absolute greatest respect to the people who get in touch, you haven't invited that often confidence and it must be such a responsibility and maybe also sometimes a burden to take other people's or to, to just discover other people's pain it's like you you, you kind of had you had enough of that maybe already of your own <laughs> so I kind of want to say to people yeah you can write in if you want but please don't please don't overload you I think if I if I uh, put out so much then it's part of my responsibility, really, to be able to uh, hold whatever comes to me from anybody else. That doesn't mean to say that I... That makes me really worried about you, because there's only one of you, and there might be hundreds of thousands of them. You've sold so many copies, everybody's going to have something they need to tell you, aren't they? I can't... uh, Don't make me worry about you, look at me. (laughs) I can't answer other people's questions. No, sorry, I can't... um, yeah, I am not the answer to somebody's horrendous story, yeah, as course. my story is. But I can be the answer to my own, and that's all I have. All I have is myself as example. I don't... Uh, I would never profess to be somebody who could offer people psychotherapy. I would never profess to be somebody who could um, mend or fix anybody else's story. But, but even witnessing it is... Well, that's Painful that's all right. No, that's all right. Okay. I mean, I I can't see things like blood or pain or they. I don't know what's happened to me as I've got older, but it just uh, makes my stomach go. But, 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 but I think that most people who contact me just need to get their story out and just. And you know what? There's there's people who've been in care, fostered, adopted, or orphaned who've been told all their lives that they can't speak about it. Yes. You know, be quiet. We're we're having a dinner party. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we we, we no can tell you about our past. Yeah. We can tell you about our past. We grew up here and we went to that school and we, you know, and our sister's not well, so we've got to go. Bef- we can speak like invisibly about our story and and relativity. Um, to our own family, but when, but 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 the person who's has an experience that's seemingly out of the norm, 
is somehow carries a sense of shame about their past. Mm. So when they read read a book which where they see themselves, they um, respond by being who they are, by saying thank you. You know, you 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 thank you for for speaking your truth. I've always wanted to speak mine, and it's X, Y, and Z. I look after myself as best as I can. Okay. That, you know, I look after myself best as I can, and it's regardless look of anybody. Look at my furrowed brow. Look at my furrowed brow. <laughs> no, but honestly, I really do. Okay. Uh, you should not write a book like this, I don't think, if you cannot, if, you, if you're not well in yourself, for example, and if you do not, you can't be kind to others if you're not kind to yourself, or otherwise it won't sustain. Yeah, for sure. Okay, it won't sustain. Um, and I think I try my best. I, last night, I've been on a crazy tour, and people come to me crying at gigs. And um, just, you know, a woman gave me her book, and she said, would you sign this? I'll say, and she said, uh, my name's Julie, and I signed for Julie uh, Wishes, Lem, say <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I've got to say the whole thing out. Yeah. But, but um, she said that's the first time I've used my name. Okay. And she was, what, 65, 70 years of age, you know. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I mean... I'm. Um, I feel I'm blessed by anybody. People stop me on the street. This has always happened, but it's happening more now. And they'll say, uh, "Let me say, you know." And I'm seen, which is to me is a big deal. This book is, it is just, for me. It's about being seen, not being famous, but about being seen. And um, and honestly, by the end of the conversation, they're like, "Lem." I need to go now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Which is that that experience where sometimes someone comes up to you and it might be for no particular deep reason, they just like your work. Yes. Yeah. And you then go, um, uh, and you think, well, I better talk to them more. than. And, and in fact, all they want to go is, oh, hi, yeah. oh, I like yeah. your show. And you go, oh, thanks very much. Actually, we've just done a new one. And um, they've done a new one. I was talking about astronauts. <laughs> and, the, and then you were going, <laughs> no, 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 all, all we needed were... And then you think, that's oh, right, no, that's done right. it. Yeah, that's right. But I think it's interesting. I can see why you have your furrowed brow. Because I'm somewhere in between but, the two of you because I sometimes get people crying. Yes. Um, more than the just high, high exchange. Yes. But I deal with it really badly because right. I, I find... I find it very strange that people I haven't met think... It's part of my failure to imagine again. I find it very strange that people I haven't met think they know me well enough to... Sh- I would have to know somebody really well to cry at them. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a very private person. Yeah. Even though I write very kind of emotional novels, I suppose. I mm-hmm. still... I, and so when someone comes and cries, I'm like, I don't know where to look. I have tissues. Would that help? I don't know what to do. And, yeah, I kind of... It's easier I, when someone cries at you than you cry at them, though. Isn't yeah, that a lot of the thing? True. I mean, yes, I, I had yes, that. that's so true. I think I mentioned yes, to you where in, when I did the tour with with the, the book that um, that I did, uh, I, for some reason it opened up something, yeah, which meant that I've fucking publicly cried on stage twice, yeah. Yeah. and it was like, oh, and I know, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I mean, the first it, it's a really <laughs> I was at Wigtown Book Festival, and oh, I've uh, had to cry at Wigtown, and too, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, my friend Lee was interviewing me, and I'd never told this story in that pers- way. Yes. It was only the third time I told the You're story. On fresh ground, then. And she, because normally I'm in control of it, I, I just uh, and uh, and I suddenly, out of nowhere, as I remembered this accident, uh, I was like, "Whoa!" The wave hits you. Yeah, right. and it's such an odd thing, isn't it? And then you yeah. you feel. But I think it's interesting that bit where for you that a lot of it, I would imagine, like any you know in depth writing, the heartfelt that it is. The connection is the most... So they're not... I'm sure there will be people, and there may have been people, and we don't need to mm-hmm. go into this, who will go, I want you to... You know, they, they, they are... What they're asking for is you to be their therapist, and then you have to work yeah. out a, a way where you say, yes, you... I, I can't do that for you, but can I recommend 
Yes. You know, and you can work out a system of answers that say, I, I'm, I can't heal you, but I can tell you my story. Yes. And that's it. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I have to protect myself. And I also have to protect the person. If they're giving themselves to a person that they don't know, I'm not going to pretend to be able to be able to uh, uh, um, d- deal uh, deal with that. But I can empathize and I can have compassionate, um, I can be compassionate towards them. And it really does not affect me. I mean, I can, I can, no, I'm honored when somebody stops me. I'm honored when they have an emotional response. My own emotions are dealt with in a different way with different people. So you could call me, you know, I won't swear, I'm dying to swear, but you could swear, you know, you could call me a, a, fuck, a fuckwit who doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and it won't affect me too much. <laughs> because, it would, because I'm enchanting, you'd be sad. <laughs> well, I would be, actually. but, but I, And I would allow myself to be as well, actually. Yeah. I, I wouldn't rail against um, it. Sometimes people tell me, I mean, okay, a woman came to me in Oxford with... Um, with uh, those things coming out of her nose, the um, oxygen tubes, oxygen tubes, and said to me in the book signing, "I've, I've come. I'm waiting for a lung, and I've checked myself out to get my book signed." See, if that happened to me, I would be very upset. I would, are I would you hide kidding me? I asked moment. her for a selfie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're the weird one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she you're was, really honestly, strange. she was... Uh, because I know, that, I know that that sounds quite dramatic, but that she, you know, she will have got permission from the hospital. Um, she was... Yeah, what, no, I would 20, find that genuinely upsetting. She was, she I was, am the odd one. She was 29 years of age, and she had a reason to want to be there. Um... Well, and, now I've got to and, worry about her as well. Oh, no, God. but that's that's just it. Like for me, <laughs> her responsibility is hers, and I have no doubt that she wouldn't have been out, allowed out of the hospital. You know, but but it was such a beautiful moment that she'd. She's young and she's probably been in the bed for too long. And oh, she's waiting. She's waiting for a lung. She said. Yeah. Um, uh, she was safe to do what she did. It's beautiful to be in touch with somebody who 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 has that kind of commitment to the written word in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I feel that I would be, you know, I would be, I would be wrong to say to her, "Well, do you get back to your bed, love?" Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. And I, I, I do. I don't I, mean it yeah. appeals to my ego. I mean there is something about when people connect to work that makes them want to connect to the writer. And we're in the. the I'm a performer as well. And I, the nature of performance is that you give all of yourself, but there's this other ninja sort of performative place where you can hold yourself in mind, make yourself vulnerable. Um, yeah, I just there is a space on stage which is very profound for me because it means you can touch people and yet be distant from them at the same time. The programme will continue in a moment, but I just quickly want to mention that uh, we're coming up to Thirsk with the Book Shambles on the 23rd of November for the podcast social event, a great big festival of podcasts, and uh, I'll be there with Charles Fernhoff as well from, uh, well, numerous fascinating books of philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, and also others. And uh, so hopefully I will see some of you in Thirsk. Now we bring you to your expected programme. Yeah. I, I, you know, but aren't you always? I mean, this is the thing which I, 
that that point of going whenever something's finished and once it's kind of it appears that it's worked you realise that that was the last magic spell you ever had. And there's no more yeah. left. And every other word that ever comes out from you is a shit word. Yeah. And it's in a poor sentence. And it's all... Because and, I now, like, to, to, yesterday I actually just started properly writing my new book. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I just remembered. I love writing books. This is so much fun. Tippity type, tippity type. Yeah, I know that in the first connection that I have with the publisher, I go, I fucking hate books. This is the worst <laughs> fucking thing. And all of that. And then, so, and you know, in one way, your your real conscious brain knows, and you definitely know. You know, we can, we can all now sit in judgment and go, yeah, but you know, because all of these things that haven't come out properly yet, because in fact they're still gestating and they're still yeah. working. Away, there will be that point that you sit down and suddenly in two hours but it makes no difference me saying that to you now because and it will make no difference for me to take that advice when I'm in the same panic stricken thing and it makes no difference to you because do you know what helped me a lot with the last book when I was kind of panicking about it really quite early on as well Julian Barnes um, who is a lovely lovely man told me that the act of writing each book is solving the problems thrown up by this particular book. So nothing about writing a previous book is remotely any help at all, <laughs> except for the fact that you know you did it last time. And that's the only thing. And I was like, so, wait, there's no kind of collective wisdom. There's, no, there's nothing... Okay. And actually, it kind of made me feel better because I yeah. thought, what's wrong with me that I am so... You know, I try really hard because I do a lot of talks in schools and things like yes. that, especially for girls, to say yeah. it's it's okay to feel like you're an imposter, but you have to have confidence. You have to do this and you have to do that. And I'm, like, I'm such a fraud. Here I am going out and telling these teenage girls that they can be anything they want to be because, look, here I am doing it. And I'm going home and staring at my wall behind my desk and crying because I don't know how to find but the way that's how we. That's and why we have to reveal the fraudulent fine. nature. That's the point, is the moment that more people know about that, and it doesn't spoil your work, and when people know that you might at times feel like an imposter and you admit or whatever, it makes people just go, oh, that's okay then. It's yes. still going to be a struggle. It's about. It's like when you find out when you deal with understanding where some of your anxieties come from. You know the kind of deeper anxieties. Mm. It doesn't get rid of the anxieties. No. They're still there, but, but they're in a different the form of box. Yeah. So you still go, but it doesn't seem to have cured me of them. No. Oh, it won't, there won't be a cure. I can see them from the other But you can the hold now, them though. now. Yeah. And you know what they are. I think this might be why um, people. Uh, think of poets especially as being locked in the garret, you know, and sort of like the writer is the, you know, sort of, I never come out. Yes. I never, I stay in the dark yeah. in my attic and I write and somebody puts food outside and I yeah. collect it. As a, people have these cliches about that yeah. 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 Faber and yeah. Faber place yeah. a processed yeah. cheese slice <laughs> under the door. It's exactly the correct type for only one cheese slice. Should they place two, it'd make, make me lazy. Uh, but the fact is, is that we do have to deal, we deal on the front line of sort of mental health, really, because we are, we are consumed with, um, with making something from absolutely nothing. You know, this the book is not there. The the book is it's is, really it's not come is it? From, it's it, really not there. No, it's really not it. there. Yeah. And that's really head. That's really, you know, the reason that people don't write books is they're frightened of what they might find. You know, people who say that they're going to write a book, they say, "I've got a great story. My granddad's got a great story. I'm going to write it one day." The truth about the granddad's story is that, the, you know, it wasn't that he was a war hero; is that he hated his wife. 
and he, he went to war wanting to get away from from being the family man that he never thought he could be yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. do you know what I mean that's to me that's what makes that you know suddenly makes and I think a lot of people are frightened of writing their story because of what they might just find and and that's what writers deal with every time they write whether it's memoir or whether it's novel or what, what have you you know whether it's fiction or non-fiction and it's uh, you know J.K. Rowling knows where she is in those books. Mm. She knows where she is, and nobody else does. You know, she knows where she's utterly exposed. Her story, her motivations, her belief in children or not belief in children, or all of her stuff uh, is in there, but only she knows. And um, people don't write for that reason. But we, if the cliche about the, the writer in the attic... Uh, is anything comes from anywhere? I think it comes from the idea that actually in our heads it's quite a, I was going to say dangerous place then, but we play with really dark stuff because we're trying to fight our way out of it yeah. to get to where and we it, are. And we do it that, alone as yeah. well. And it is that thing where you kind of feel guilty because people say, Oh, you, yeah, yeah, you know, this has been really difficult. And then you kind of feel like you have to stop and go, Obviously, it's not going down a mine. Obviously, no, it's yeah, not this. But, but, actually but it's it is. differently hard. No, that's a great metaphor, though. It is yeah. going down a mine. You yeah. know, writers are on the front, on the front line. Writers are the ones who, you know, especially for memoir, should be the ones who stand up at the dinner table and say, Right, at the Christmas dinner, you know, and say, Right. We've not spoken about this. <laughs> yeah, I thought this yeah. would be a good time, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, but that's the writer, you know. That's yeah. the writer is the one who says the unsayable, and and everybody, you know, the family might hate it, but the truth is, is it's the truth, and and people, you know, relate to it. And I don't know, I don't know. I think that we are the miners, you know. I think we are, we do do. It is not going down a mine. Going down a mine was a crappy job. Yeah, you know, the miners knew that, you know, that they were fighting for something which was actually. a a crappy, horrible job. Um, but no, they, they're going to come out and want to hear a story and, and they're going to want to watch films that have been based on books and they're going to want to want to uh, listen to music that writers have written. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, 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 we are... We're doing our side of the, our side of the bargain and they're doing I their side. So. But I don't think one is necessarily harder than the other. That's not going to be a very popular thing to say. No, I think it's. I think the idea, creativity, is something that I think you're meant to feel a bit ashamed of. Yes, yeah. There's a lobby against there's it not, in yeah, society. Yeah, and, and especially I, th- I, th- I still feel that I was, t- I was watching some old because I have this habit at one in the morning of finding really ridiculous things. Like, oh, I wonder if there's any episodes of Ludovic Kennedy's Did You See on YouTube, <laughs> right? So I found myself the initial Always one I watched to was, wake up to you on it was uh, Jasper Carrot talking about Crossroads, and then I found there was an episode where they were talking about the prisoner, which had just been repeated on 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 uh, Channel Four, so it was like 1983, yeah. and the pride that two the panel had him go, and I don't know what it was about. I mean, I just watched it, and I was, and and the pride in dismissing. Yep. things yeah. and dismissing yeah. because it's not a real and both the yeah. people were not so they weren't in real jobs either one of them was an MP I forget which one yeah. it was Julian 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 and then the the and the, the other person ran the plain English organisation oh or so it was beneath yeah. them to understand something yeah, and, that was popular and, and so good good and that bit of and I, and I do think there's more of a uh, it's not. I mean, when I say, but again, even that, you don't want to say about. But that bit of just going, here's ideas and they're fun. And do you know what? Go and see someone that you don't know if you're going to go and like. Go to a fucking ballet. Do you know what? Give it a yes. go. And just and, God, and we need yes. to lose go our to shame a of all of that. Classical music concerts. If that's not what you've ever been to, go to something you've never been to. And and 
Yes. It's the great release, isn't it? At some point in your life, I hope everyone gets it, where you stop worrying about the fact that you'll get it wrong. Like, yes. I, if I go, I won't understand, and people will know, and they'll know it's the first time I've ever been, and they'll think I'm an idiot, and everyone will know. And you just get to a point of going, no one's looking. But it's again, there is that fine. problem. I think we might have touched on it last time, which is when you do go to book festivals, as we've all said, that you go in, and actually a lot of the people who are in what would be called literary circles, there's a real sense of who are the hoi polloi and who are the genre writers and who are the... So I think there is... Was it John Carey wrote that book, The Intellectuals and the Masses, which I read years ago? Yeah. And and I remember there was a bit where he said when Latin came back in, in terms of... Uh, in, in, in books... Latin never went out wrong. No, no, but there were, I'm sorry, I'm right sorry. I knew me. this was going to get you. Know, uh, as the speak plain Latin chairperson <laughs> that you are. But the... Um, I'll but sleep there was, when uh, Latin's dead, Robin, and not before. There was, amongst the intellectuals, there certain groups of intellectuals, a, a bit of a horror of things like Thinker's Library. Do you know the Thinker's Library mm-hmm. books? Fantastic books that came out at the beginning of the 20th century mm-hmm. through the, the 40s and beyond, in fact, where great works were placed in... And, and, so, and you have... Well, there's a wonderful book I bought recently about the history of the workers' libraries in different mining communities. Oh, and all of these things, um, it's from Jeff Towns' excellent Dylan's Mobile Bookstore. It's a bookshop that's actually in an old mobile library. Okay. Beautiful. Jeff, if you're listening Beautiful. to this, you know how much I love your store. And um, the, uh, but it was th- then some of the intellectuals were like going, oh, well, we didn't know the, the miners were going to be reading this. Well, we, we need to make it more impenetrable again. Yeah, and there was a yeah. kind of journey to, to, for impenetrability. Yeah. So the sense of superiority, <laughs> which seems to me such a, the, the antithesis of, of spe, you know, especially like your work, you know, yeah. my yeah. name is white. It's all about it's saying that it's a book that's accessible to anyone. Yes, yes, it and is. and it's yeah. a story that's accessible to anyone, and yeah. it will, will take people to different places. Yeah. And there's no point in that where you know, and sometimes it's it, it's difficult, and it's you know, and there are points you, but that to me is proper great art. Yeah, because thanks. it means something. And everyone I know who's read that book, because obviously there's a lot more since I last yes. saw you. You know, and the different stories people say, the different moments, you know, especially some of the people I've spoken to, you know, have been in the care system and stuff like that. Yes. The, the, but for everyone else yes. who's reading it going, I'd never thought when you talk about the last time you were going to be hugged. Yes. And you talk at the age of 12. And that's what we don't, th- I, I think for a lot of us who've never been through that world, that just those simple things, yeah. such a, a, a major minor thing. Yeah, major minor thing. Beautiful and, and true. And I've got, I must say that the mining towns that I came from, when the mill towns, there are people now reading this book there and calling me, you know, and saying, Len, we never knew, you know, if we'd have known. It's the kindest thing that that community that I was sort of taken into, uh, where the children's homes were, are the ones who are reading the book. It's a very live story, this. Um, and uh, the, the the picture on the front cover is from uh, only a year and a half ago. Uh, a man uh, wrote to me out of the blue and said, I, I live near you. This is pictures of you. Do you want it? You know, and he sent it me How via... How many pictures of you did you have at that point? Well, I went back to my foster mum, as it says in the book. I went back to to her and I had about four pictures of me. And I have... Um, yeah, and uh, and then when I got my files, I had more pictures of me, just a couple of me as a baby, yep. which I didn't have at all. I had one from my foster mother. Um, um, yeah, so... So when um, somebody mails you and says, I have a picture of you, they're offering you 
15% of the pictures of you in your childhood you're, yes, you've ever are. had. Yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. just a different that level kind of, of communication. Yeah, that people are not uh, aware of. And I said it's, it was like trying to prove that the gravity of my story was like trying to prove that you're invisible when you're invisible and have no voice. Yes. So I couldn't... I couldn't... I, it was very difficult. hats off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's actually a really good example because it, it doesn't make sense to the person whose hat's blown off yeah. what happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, my hat's blown off. So, so I... I, I um, and then they make it all about them. Poor yeah. me with my hat. <laughs> but that's, that's yeah. also what happens. And that makes sense, though. You know, the nature of having a family is not that you should actually appreciate it. It's that you should struggle with it and you should do whatever with it. That's what it's there for. So to not have it, somebody would say to me, for example, they'd say, well, you're lucky, you know, it's, it's a pain. And, and I, I always wanted to say, and now do, well, that's what it is. Yes. That's the nature of it. How you deal with that is part of the nature of family. There was no deal that said it was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't part of it. It was not a binary thing of family. You know, there's hatred, love, all... If you watch a child, you know, you see all those things in minutes. Mm. But I... Uh, so I had to write the book when I got the files because I had to. I wanted people to see what I didn't have. It's very difficult to prove what you didn't have if it's not a physical thing. Yes. Because... Because people will relate what they didn't have. Well, I, d- I didn't have a dad, you know, because my parents split up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I get it. Uh, well, I didn't. I had nobody. I, had, I, I lost my everybody. Mother, father, sister, brothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, my town. My I lost everything. And also, they held back the memories. So they were like, we're not going, you don't, we're never going to see you again. Yes. So you don't get the memories so of what happened here. And any record And absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that. And that's all birthdays are. So this gives me insights into families, birthdays, Christmases, weekends, arguments, fallouts, separations. They're all about relativity at base. Yeah. And I didn't have that. <laughs> it was very difficult to prove. So when I was 21, the Guardian newspaper said, Lem has got success written all over his forehead. And I remember thinking that's dangerous because I'm relative to nothing. The more I become known, the less I am. I am. You're not I'm becoming more invisible. I... And I was aware of that consistently. And I found myself unable to congratulate myself for anything because nothing would give me what I didn't have. And that was very dangerous. But again, people would say, well, yeah, I find it difficult to compliment myself as well. It's like, yeah, no, it's, river, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So I wouldn't tell people. Why would I tell people? You know, people, all, we deserve to feel like our family. Nobody should feel like that their, that their family is the greatest thing on earth. I mean, that's part of, part of the privilege of family is that you don't have to forgive them for things that you think they should, they, they, you know, that they did wrong. <laughs> you can hold that gripe for the rest of your life. That's all part of the nature of it. So I'm not one to say, I've not had a family, therefore you should appreciate yours. That's not how it is. Right. You know, and I knew that. Um... I mean, so I've got my files and I've found everything out and I've found my family all over the world. But you did some of that on stage. I haven't misremembered that, have I? You had your... <laughs> I, I, I had a psychologist report yes. written about me when I was taking the government to court. Yes. And I heard that a lot of people, there's a lot of suicides in Wales for the class action that was taken against the government. Suicides by people who took the government to court, then had a psychologist report written to them as part of their case, 
and then couldn't handle what came back to them. Right. The psychologist is going to just absolutely tell you what is wrong with you and why. And they're going to use that as a case for you. Yes. Then the other psychologist from the other side is going to tell you that you're just a liar and they're going to break it all down for Yes, this seems well. like the sensiblest and healthiest way to deal with things. Well, exactly. But we have to take our government to court when it does something wrong, otherwise it'll just keep doing it. So, so a lot of 12 suicides in the Welsh case, and I was told that by somebody from a, an NGO in Wales, researched it, it's true. I didn't want to listen to my psychologist's report alone, so I did it. I, you can see the blog where I actually th- thought it. And I said, right, I want to do this on stage. Yeah. yeah, I said, I want to do this on stage. I had the, While I was writing the blog, I had the idea. I said, I want to do it on stage. Within a week, I had put the blog out. Then I had John McGrath, the director of the National Theatre of Wales, Vicky Featherstone, offered uh, the Royal Court while the ferryman was on, on its, on its closed night, on its dark night. She blacked off off the stage. Within a week and a half, all the tickets had sold. Julie Hesmond-Dolsch was going to be the psychologist and I was going to hear my psychologist's report for the first time on stage at the same time that the audience would and it would be read by Julie Hesmond-Dolsch, directed by John McGrath, produced by Sarah Sampson and, and everything was provided by the Royal Court. And uh, and I can't remember it. So did Julie... So your first experience was on was the stage. There, Julie had seen it all? Julie had the whole report. And did she afterwards... I mean, th- that's an incredible... I mean, she seems like a really great person. She is. She's been involved in a lot of interesting projects. And, and she's she did, a hell of an actor. Fan, yeah. yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah. Black Rose is the thing yeah. that she did in... Yeah, the Simon Armitage thing. Yeah, yes. Lancaster. Yes. But she... I mean, did she talk to you afterwards at all about the sense of, oh, my God, once I saw the... You know, the, the, yes. That, no, that, she, that's no, a no. responsibility any of us are yeah. very rarely going to have. John McGrath, Vicky Featherstone, Julie Hesmond-Dosh all read the script. And uh, just before I walked on stage at the Royal Court with a, with a full audience ready to hear this thing for the first time, John McGrath said to me, Lem, you don't have to do this. Oh, God. You can just walk off. It's all good which is just the most beautiful thing. Um, I, I had everybody on my side, and uh, and I walked on that stage, and Julie wrote in her book that was a year in the life of an actor. I can't remember what it was called. It came out not so long ago, that it was one of the, you know, the uh, most um, moving pieces of theatre that she's ever experienced. I don't want to paraphrase it higher than one of the, but I think it could be. You know, she said some wonderful oh, we'll find out things about it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's called Diary of an Actor. Um, she did, a, and, and, and she tells the whole story, and that's the only record of somebody on the inside who's told that story. Then it was covered by The Guardian and by the Channel 4, and that's all we wanted. We didn't want any more. We, we, the, 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 the night has been filmed. I never want to see it again. I've got it at home. Um, it will never be released again. It will never be a piece of theatre. It was a one-night-only, unique, I can say this, verbatim theatre, where I hear the report at the same time as the audience hears it for the first time. That, I do believe, has not happened before. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's very tricky when you say something's a first, right? So you've got to have to be I'm careful. But in, right. yeah, yeah, in terms of verbatim theatre, 
you know, that which is what this uh, was in some way. Um, she read it from start to finish, two hours at the theatre, and it was just beautiful. There were people shouting out, we love you, Lem. And I, I've got, with the memoir, the psychologist report, I've got a lot of love from the nation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a big thing to say, but I, I've got, it's, but it is it true. It feels like you were you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm getting it all back. It's yeah, like okay. I, I've been adopted by a country, but I've, I've kept on and on and on when nobody was looking. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? That's I'll how we do. I'll stop worrying about you. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> Ju- Julie's book is called A Working Diary. That's just Thank you. popped up there. The, um, it's, uh, j- just briefly on something in the book, which is because we were mentioning him before as well, and the fact that you felt that the best place for this to happen was on stage, mm. is we were just mentioning Lenny Henry. And Lenny Henry, who haven't read his book yet, I yep. look forward to it. And uh, Lenny, please come and do book shambles. I asked you before, but you were too busy. Oh, uh, come on, come Mr. On. Henry. Um, but uh, that was your first stage experience, wasn't it? Oh, with Lady Henry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At, so you at, were what? Eleven years old? Were you? No, 10? no, 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 no. I was more like uh, Woodfields. I was more like f- between. Tw- I was more like thirteen. Right. And you were. I can remember. It's it was, great it was, having this book. Is great because it gives me a timeline. Family gives you a timeline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether you, whether you. Um, family gives you a timeline whether you want it or not they say you were here then you say I was here then I know I was here because my sister was here with me or because my mum was here one person that's all it takes and I didn't have that so I have a timeline now and I can I've never told that story about Lenny Henry before and I had to check when it was uh, when it was and on on, on Wikipedia um, and I say in the book you know I don't because I don't have people from my time do you, do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Nobody's saying no, I to do. me. I require you were, my you brother to know there. things because I don't remember anything <laughs> of my own life. That's so great. I will often. I require have... my brother. I do. Wonderful. Okay. That's why you hate memento. It's too <laughs> close to in the previous podcast. You were saying how much you hate Christopher Nolan's memento. I can't help it. And now oh, all my... those weird tattoos things I have on your ever arm. Ever said to my therapist, include yeah. the sentence. I don't know. You'd have to ask my brother. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, That's, I don't really need to know for its own sake. I'm the opposite of that in the fact because my dad also says, "How do you remember that? I don't remember anything. How do you? So memory. I'm I'm the annoying. Um, yeah, I just don't of, have it. Yeah, but isn't that what books? Isn't this what they are? They are flags. They are flags in the mountainside. I want to find they out are. what you did with Lenny Henry though, because oh. I I don't know this. Yeah, bit. So was you, I yeah. don't have this story. But we went on a convoy. Now I don't like convoys. Just got to say this. Okay. Know, all of the I'll kids. I'll make a note. All, no, but it's important because cancel it All <laughs> yeah, cancel the All the kids in care. <laughs> All the kids in care from Lancashire went on a convoy with the taxis and the Rotary Club, and they go to Blackpool every year. Obviously, you know, this is a very family-orientated care system, isn't right. it, to do the convoy and to show the Rotary yes. Club doing it X, Y, Z. Um, and we all went, and, um, and, uh, and, and we went to see Cannon and Ball, and uh, the special guest was Lenny Henry. And... Um, and he did the crowd surfing thing, okay, you know, it's pantomime. I think it was pantomime. It might not have been pantomime, but he did the crowd surfing thing. So he's like, all right, I want to get somebody up here. And he's looking out. And he's at the top of his game then. Right. It was first introduction to him uh, in the country over the past two years beforehand about. And all everybody, all the kids are putting their hands up. And he's loving it, right? And we do love it when that happens, you know, when stuff like that happens. You know, me, 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 me. And all the kids from my children's home were going, him, 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 him. And he saw me. And I can't remember, but it would have been something like, you know, you, 
What's your name? Norman! <laughs> Which is what I thought my name was. Norman! Come on. Sonny Jim. And I was taken round the side of the thing and walked onto the stage. I have no idea. I cannot remember what happened or what 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 the what what I can't remember but I do remember feeling very uh, at ease with being on stage and that's the first time you'd ever been on a stage yes yes so this was you this is how yeah, you this became was me. you I remember feeling like like not I feel I was like inside the on stage dynamic and thinking not thinking this is not scary just thinking this is this is good. This is fine. I, I, I'm, no, no, I lit up. That was it. I lit Whatever he was saying to me, I was yeah. like, right, well. <laughs> I remember that feeling of not feeling like uh, intimidated by an audience yes. and feeling like, oh, God, this is great. And you can see it. I mean, we must have seen it hundreds of times with comedians. You can really see somebody who's so comfortable in their performing skin yeah, the... makes the people around them more confident and comfortable whereas you can see some people who are really good performers but they're not quite they they need to belittle somebody in order to feel okay you yeah. see it with compares all the time yeah and you i remember you seeing you compare when i was i was still a student and i was just like oh i see so and i'd only seen comedy as a as an audience before and i think i was doing five minutes or something and you were on and will smith was on in yeah, manchester AD- oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah and i i remember thinking all oh, right so you can compare a show but like, not take the piss out of the audience. You yes. can be like, yeah, I don't think I was ever like that rude as a compound. No, you weren't. Was, it was yeah, just yeah. remarkable. I'd ask people I'd where they were from and then say, oh, "I've been there. It's a brilliant castle, isn't yeah. it?" And go off on some and it story would get a about laugh. yeah, because it's, some yes. people were expecting it to be like a mean joke, and then the shock of it being nice was what made them laugh. Yes. And sometimes they were just like, "Oh, brilliant! Is there? <laughs> Should yeah. make a note of that." Yeah. <laughs> we're safe. We're safe. <laughs> yeah, we've 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 pretty much run out of time, and I'm glad you could come second time. And it's a very interesting story as well, which someone can buy the people can buy the book to find out more but as a non-celebrity uh, autobiography the two people who appear in it of that are Lenny Henry and Errol Brown with there's an incredible story there which is really yeah got kind of enlightening in sometimes a hideous way not because of him but because of the re- but um I just wanted to ask you in terms of other books as well is when you were working I don't even say work on this because it's your whole life isn't it yes. there, but but were there certain books, or have there been books, other memoirs, other people's stories, other, that every now and again when you might feel that, can I tell this, that you would read and you, you would think, I had a connection with this, and I had a connection with this, and I wonder if the connection, will I be, can I create something that will, will be like these works? Um, um, this is going to be really general, but other than uh, Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, uh, and other than, for example, um, Beloved by uh, Toni Morrison, having written something that her own community did not like when she brought it out. Mm-hmm. right? So so it wasn't like the sent- sentence structure that I was inspired by as much as uh, this is... Yeah, she, she wrote Beloved, and the black community in America really did not like it. They felt like she was selling them down the river. She was exposing all things that she shouldn't have been exposing. She was talking outside of the... There's a phrase, isn't it? Talking outside the shop or something. Um, um, It's not a book about race. It's not a book about gender. It's not a book about family. It's not a book about child, children. But it's about all of those things, so... Um, it doesn't fit into a neat narrative, I don't think. A neat uh, 
sorry, a neat, um, I knew how to do this. I had the files and I had to let the files tell the story and then work around them. And it was really that simple. And yeah, it's so important for me. Thanks very much, Glenn. That was, Thank you. Uh, I've, I've loved what's going on, seeing all those things online, the view at different bookshop events, pictures of where the book is on the shelf, people with you. It's great, <laughs> it's isn't great. it? It's just... Bookshops, man. Bookshops. They're like, they're our guardians, man. They're all over the country, just dedicated, committed people, and it's such an honour to to be with them. You know, every time I meet a bookseller, and they're, they're, I'm like, I need you. And they're like, I need you. And I'm like, well, this is great. We're a team. And they're like, yeah, it's beautiful. We've got all of these incredible men and women around the country, mainly women, actually, uh, in, in bookshops, it seems, who are working themselves really hard to keep what the public wants on the shelves, but also to tell them, no, no, it's not just what you want. We've got something good for you. We've got something good for you here, governor. It's just, they're just, they're an incredible rhythm that's happening in the country. And I just feel really lucky to have had a little glimpse of of the book shambles. You know, <laughs> the, the orbiting book shambles, the beautiful kind of like, because it's me this week, it'll be X the next week, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they'll be doing the same, that another book that they really believe in, etc. It's It's inspiring to be around. And there's it, so often cake. Oh, oh so a, a lovely yeah. bit of cake. Lingham's booksellers. I don't know if you've done them. They're near oh, Liverpool. Them, yeah. uh, I have uh, not had ten cake miles there. That li- li- Lingham's was good. And I should mention as well, there are uh, um, just because I've noticed this this week two bookshops. That there's a new uh, independent bookshop opened in Settle. Uh, uh, so if you live near Settle, you've got a new independent bookshop, and there's a new one opening in Tring as well. So oh, there we go. Go and find. It's a good no, time. it's not. It's bloody miles away because I don't drive, oh, and because yeah, uh, the landowners <laughs> refuse to allow. The, the railway station anywhere near the town. It's a long walk. I don't know. Oh, no, don't worry. I know about that. Um, the uh, So anyway, th- there's some new bookshops. Also, I was just going to mention, because you mentioned Beloved, I've read this fantastic uh, book, and I've forgotten her name now. It's uh, it's a book called Darkly, yeah. and it's just come out by Repeater Books, and uh, she was a, 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 a goth, and she's also Afro-Amer- Afro-American, yeah. and she talks about the experience of looking at the Gothic literature, the Gothic tradition, the American Gothic, that darker, not that romantic yeah. kind yes. of European Gothic tradition. Yes. And how those two things interlinked, and she talks a lot about Toni Morrison in that book. So Fantastic. it's called Darkly. It's from Repeater Books, write it down. and it's very interesting. Just and Afro fiction. I've got to say Afro science fiction. There's this whole movement happening through a book called Binti by um, Ndefi, and I can't remember her second name. But but Binti is an incredible book. It's science fiction. It's Nigerian American, and there's a movement happening in it. I want you to be aware of it, and I want to be able to. Get it to you somehow. Right, well, I'm going to find that. It's called the, Binti. Uh, I'm going yeah. to go to an independent bookshop immediately. But not one in Settle or Trink, because they're both a little bit too far from where we are now. Uh, also, uh, oh, it's Leela Taylor uh, is the name of the author of Darkly. And uh, I would say also a uh, nice announcement, which is Lem is going to be joining us. We're doing a show called Sea Shambles. It's a follow-up to Space Shambles. Obviously, this time we're looking at the sea. We have incredible... I don't know how many we've announced yet, so I'm going to be very, very careful what we say. We have some pretty amazing musicians who are uh, going to be announced quite soon. And 
and I'm really pleased to say that Lem is also going to be uh, um, you're going to be our poet of the Albert Hall for that particular evening Yay. and uh, <laughs> so have a look at if you go to uh, the um, Cosmic Shambles site you'll find all the details of a big show that we're doing at the Albert Hall uh, in May uh, thank you very much Lem thank pleasure. you very much Natalie uh, Natalie you've pleasure. written loads of stuff about the sea haven't I you yeah. you haven't asked me to do the sea yeah, shambles yeah. but yeah um, well I'm really looking forward to ships, but yeah don't worry about that yeah well we're going <laughs> to actually I, I wanted you to read a, there's a Ray Bradbury story that I think you'd be really good at doing thanks very much for listening bye bye brilliant hey man Thank you very much for listening. Yes, tickets for Sea Shambles is on sale now. Cosmicshambles.com slash Sea Shambles. Check out Robin's live dates. Check out Natalie's live dates. Get Lem's book. It is absolutely brilliant. Patreon.com slash Bookshambles to support the podcast. Cosmicshambles.com for everything else we do. New episode later this week on Halloween. Have yourself a great week. And we will be back very soon. Bye. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.